You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Man, thank you so much for standing. Maybe seated. God bless you and welcome to Southridge. We're so excited to see each and every one of you. What a joy to be together. Uh, if this is your first time, let me be the first to say welcome. We're so excited and honored that you'd be a part of our services. We're in a series entitled Be the Wave. We are seeing culture sweep through uh, not only our country, but also our churches like a wave. And it's just this current that's just sweeping us out. And I want us to think instead that the church should actually be a wave to push back. And so we've been studying the book of Daniel, which the book of Daniel, when you think about the wave of culture and getting swept up in it, it would have been very easy for somebody like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to just get swept up into the to the wave of Babylonian culture. And we study from chapter one and now we're in chapter two about how Babylon wanted to sweep them up, gave them new names, took them into a new land, gave them a new identity, wanted to strip everything away and really remake these young men. But yet we see in Daniel chapter number one, verse eight, it says, but they purposed in their heart. They wouldn't defile themselves. They made a decision. And you and I are making those same decisions. And so we've been studying the last several weeks. And last week we looked at Daniel chapter number two. And we were talking about the difference between confidence and control. That a lot of us think that to have more confidence means that I need to be in more control. But we, as we learned last week that true confidence comes in Christ and releasing control, which is kind of countercultural. But yet I want to take that thought and I want to dive a little bit deeper because as I was thinking about confidence and where it comes from, I was thinking today that when you look at the landscape of everything that's going on in the world, you see one thing that's creeping up and that's that there's a lack of peace. It just seems that people today just want more peace. I know they may sound like and say things like, no, I want more money, I want more influence, I want more time, I want a better job, I want to live in a less stressful area. What they're really saying is I want more peace. They just don't know it necessarily. I grew up in a home where we had seven uh, children and my parents were always busy. There was always commotion. There was always people over at the house. Uh, many of us had jobs. We did paper out, part-time jobs. We were just coming and going, you know, lots of, uh, lots of activity. And our house was just never quiet. It was always noisy. And can I, I can always remember my poor mom because she made these attempts at homeschooling, which it's like when you're drowning, why would you add a weight on top of it when you're drowning? And my mom just had the best of intentions, you know. But when you have seven children, it's not always easy to manage. And so I can vividly picture her kind of screaming out in frustration that I just want a moment's peace. And when we would hear mom say that, we would stop for a moment 
give her her moment's peace and go back to making all kinds of noise, destroying things and whatever. I mean, it just seemed like there was never any peace in our home. And maybe that's how you feel like right now. I just want a moment's peace. I just want a moment where not a city is on fire. I just want a moment where I'm not around people that if I'm wearing a mask, I don't wear a mask. I got the shot. I didn't get the shot. That it becomes this polarizing subject. I just want to be able to go to my coffee shop. And I want to just get my skinny latte. And I don't want drama over a skinny latte. That's all I want. Can, Can I live in that world, you know? Today, I was driving here. And uh, Cinco de Mayo is coming up, right? But people are celebrating it all weekend long. So there was somebody who, they had an American flag on the back of their car. Not a problem, right? They pulled up next to somebody who has the flag of Mexico. And you're like, this shouldn't be a problem. No, it had to be a problem. They, they both got to turn into this little road rage going down Monterey Highway. Why? Because they want this peace, but yet there's something inside of them that just says, oh, we've got to irk each other. And so you and I today, we're looking for peace. And some of us, we eat to find peace. Some of us spend money to find peace. Some of us hop from relationship to relationship to find peace. Last week, tragically, a man worth billions of dollars jumped off a building in New York, and he owned the building. He committed suicide. He was looking for peace Here's a man who owns the building and he jumps off of it. But yet, he was looking for peace. We live in a world that wants peace. But it seems that you and I are settling for pieces of peace. And I want you to know that that's never what God intended. God never intended for you to go through life just settling for pieces of peace. It, it's not enough. And that's what some of us are doing. That, oh, if I just make it a Sunday, then I get that hour, a little bit of peace. And I don't care if they move it at 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock. I don't care if it's this location, that o'clock. I just need my hour of peace. Some of you, it's that lunch break. You know, I just need my lunch break. What is my boss texting me, asking me to do? It's my hour of peace. Some of you, it's when you finally get to take your kids to school. You're like, yes, I finally get some peace. Or some of you, when you go to work, it's like, yes, I get some peace. You go into the garden, you get some peace. Or it's at night and you're watching your new show or something and you're like, yes, I finally get some peace. We're looking for peace, but I want you to know God wants you to have more than just a piece of peace. So what does peace look like to you? Because I think when we think about peace, it's always one of the more, I don't know, kind of like, oh yeah, that's, that's quiet moments kind of thing. Remember the Hallmark, little quiet moments, little decorations? We think that, yeah, peace is one of those sissy little things. Peace is one of those, yeah, 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 I know it's a fruit of the Spirit, but whatever. That's no big deal. What's that going to do for me? I got real problems. And I, and I need something that's bigger, and I need a greater solution than just a little bit of peace. I need something else, because I'm taking a whole bottle of melatonin each night to get a little bit of peace, and that's not doing it for me. I need some real peace. Well, I want you to find some peace in Daniel chapter number 2. Notice if you would, verse number 14, here's what the Bible says. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. 
Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have made known to me what we asked for. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Maybe your life is not in as life-threatening a situation as Daniel's was in this passage. And Daniel's come to a moment where you and I would probably have a little bit of a freak out kind of a moment. I'm a classic overreactor. Like, it doesn't take much for me to overreact. And maybe you've known that. Any, any length of time, I'm a classic reactor, overreactor. My wife quickly realized this in our early dating relationship. You say, what do you mean? Well, she went to Universal Studios, which was close to the college that we went to. And we were just barely dating. And she borrowed my digital camera, and she goes to Universal. Not a big deal. I'm like, yeah, she's going to go have a great time. But while she's at Universal... They have these characters that you could take pictures with. So they're going, taking pictures of the characters. Well, they find Spider-Man, okay? Spider-Man hadn't migrated to Fox, and then Fox hadn't loaned him out to Disney. He was still at Universal at the time, okay? I don't know how all that works, but property rights, whatever. And so uh, Spider-Man is there. You can't find Spider-Man right now at Universal, but at that time he's there. So there's a group of girls who are going to get a picture with Spider-Man. They get a picture of Spider-Man. Cool, that's great. What really set me off is the next picture when I scrolled on my digital, on my little digital camera, okay? Now, it's not her fault, but here's what happened. So Spider-Man's doing his little Spider-Man pose, you know, the little web shooters and everything. Except right before they took the picture, Spider-Man turns and hugs her. And that's what set me off. I was like, who does this Spider-Man think he is getting his little web shooting hands all over the future Mrs. Ermler. No, 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 this can't be. This will not be. So I began to blame like it was her fault. You know, it's like, it's your fault. You know, I don't know. I mean, I thought Spider-Man liked redheads, but apparently not, okay? Apparently he's switching. All right, and so, you know, you just kind of go down these things. But when it comes to overreacting, it's because we lack peace inside. Jesus fell asleep in the middle of a storm. What did Jesus say to calm the storm? Peace, be still. Many people say, well, that's a miracle. He could command the winds and the waves. No, 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 my friend. If Jesus can sleep in a storm and then speak to the storm, what Jesus was actually doing was reflecting back onto his creation what was happening inside of him. You and I are called to reflect back onto a crazy world, the peace that is inside of us. But yet, all the road rage, the animosity, the division, the polarization, the discrepancies, the arguments, the anxiety, the depression, the panic, it's inside of us, God's people. So how can we reflect peace back onto this world if it's not inside of us? 
Because just as many Christians have divorces as non-Christians. Just as many Christians struggle with sin things like non-Christians. But yet here, we're going to see the four leading causes of why you don't have peace. I'm going to guess them, and then we're going to see them in the passage. There are four reasons in your life, and it's not that I can read minds, but there are four reasons why you do not have peace in your life. Notice, if you would, if you're taking notes, your peace is affected one piece at a time. And here are the four things, the four things that come to take your peace. First of all, it's the place. Some of you, your peace is being robbed because of the place you live. And so your decision is like, well, i got to change the place. This place ain't working. So some of you, that's one of your reasons. It's the place. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They're not in the right place. They're in Babylon. They're not in Jerusalem. They're in Babylon. But yet they have peace. He's not freaking out, overreacting. And he's in Babylon. A horrible, godless. It's the opposite of Jerusalem. We talked about this in week number one. That this is a tale of two cities. That Babylon's going to show up in Revelation. This is, this is a city that's going to show up in our future. And it's, it's the city that represents man. And, and our attempt to to become God. And Jerusalem, it's a tale of two cities. And so it's two opposites. So you and I, our lack of peace has to do with the place. That's some of us. Maybe not all, but some. The second one has to do with the problems in our life. And boy, do these guys have a problem. Verse 14, Ariok shows up, says, hey, Daniel, it's been nice knowing you, but guess what? The king says to kill you. And then this house, this nice house, this government-provided house, yeah, we're going to make it a dung heap. It's going to be great, all right? All of a sudden, you got a problem. So some of you right now, the reason you have a lack of peace, the reason why you didn't sleep last night, and you're probably not going to sleep tonight, is there's a problem going on in your life. You say, Pastor, it's not problem singular, it's problems plural. Please do not nudge anybody next to you like they are your problem. All right, that's a dead giveaway. My, my periphery of vision is pretty expansive here. Or also, here's the third reason. It could be a person is the reason you lack peace. You say, once again, don't say it's singular, make it plural. There are people. Today we now live in a society where there are people that cause you to lose your peace, lose your cool, lose your calmness, and you don't even know them. You just see them on the news, and all of a sudden your peace is gone. You're like, oh man, as soon as I see them, as soon as I hear them giving a speech, as soon as I see them doing this or doing that, you know, some of you lose your peace if you see somebody not wearing a mask. Some of you lose your peace if you see somebody wearing a mask. But we can all agree, if you're in your car by yourself wearing a mask, yes, we're going to lose our peace over you, okay? We just all agree, okay? That, that one, we just all lose our peace, all right? But understand, these are the reasons why we lose our peace. But here's the other one. It's our pace. You see, in verse 15, he said, it's the king's command. Verse 16, Daniel goes to the king and says, hey, give me more time because it's the pace. Some of you just feel like your pace is just so fast and you just feel like it's out of control. So these are the reasons why we lose our peace. Now, some of us, when it comes to our peace, we still are kind of like, well, I don't see why this is such a big deal. I know this about me and I believe it to be true about you. You and I make better decisions and we're, we are more pleasant to be around when we are at peace. Now, whether you agree with that or not, I know it to be true. 
that you and I make better decisions when we are at peace. And guess what? God wants us to be at peace. As a matter of fact, God promises peace, but he does not promise the absence of problems. God has promised us peace. John 14, verse 27, here's what the Bible says. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You see, Jesus gave you and I a promise about peace. But yet today, many times, we don't have that peace. You see, we instead think peace is an absence of problems. Many of us kind of make the mistake that, hey, my life would be peaceful. I do like my job. It's just my boss I don't like. Oh, I do like the area I live in. I just don't like the traffic. Oh, I do like my pace. I just don't like when anybody adds anything to it. Because you and I have made the mistake that we think that, oh, man, It's just the problems. If I just didn't have any problems. We live in a world that has problems. And so today, when it comes to problems, I need you to understand, many times you look at those things that take away your peace, and you're like, no, I can handle it. It's not that bad. It's just a little bit of of inconvenience. It's nothing crazy. I can handle it. I can handle a little bit of problems. A little bit of pressure, a little bit of pain. Yeah, I can handle it. It's not a big deal. Some of us, we know that we can handle the little things. It's not a problem to handle a little bit of weight. Not a problem. Except after a while, we realize that, you know what? It's like, I can do, I can lift a lot of this, but we live in a world that's not absent of problems. And there are things that come to take our peace. There are little weights and frustrations because you're in a relationship. And that relationship is wonderful, but it adds a little weight and it adds a little pressure. And yet too often we thought we lived in a world that has no problems or shouldn't have any problems. And here, can I tell you this? Peace works under pressure. You see, a lot of times we just feel like, man, no, 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 no. For me to have peace means I don't have any pressure. For me to have peace means I never have a weight. But I need you to understand something. The reason why peace is so important is because you can have peace even under the pressure, even under the weight of life's problems. You say, why is that so important? My friend, please get this and please understand this. If you don't have problems, that's how you and I determine that we have peace. You don't know how much peace you have until you go through a problem. What happens is we think, oh, I've got peace. All right, everything's perfect in your life. It's when things aren't perfect that that's when we can finally tell. i got to watch it here, make sure I don't drop this. That's when we can tell, oh, is there really peace in my life? It's when the weight is put on the bar. It's when there's pressure put on your life. That's when you and I get to test whether or not we really do have peace. And some of us think this. We think peace means no problems. Some of us actually believe that peace, what we, some of us call peace, is really an escape. How many of us, when it comes to our problems, 
we see it, we see the weight, we see the job, we see the relationship, we see everything happening around us, and we say, well, I've got peace, pastor, don't worry about me, I've got peace. No, 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 you overcharging on your credit card is an escape. You um, uh, trying to fill a void in your life by trying some substance, that's not peace, that's an escape from peace. So let's not say, oh, I have peace, when we're just using something else to escape something. You see, God doesn't want you to live in a life where you're just trying to escape from things. God wants you to have a peace that passes all understanding. So even as you're under that weight and even as it gets heavier and heavier, you're saying, I'm still okay. I can still do this. But the problem is for our lives is that when it comes to this peace, you and I, we need to always be conscious and saying, Lord, I'm going to constantly need your help, God. I'm going to always need that peace because there's always going to be pressure. And life is going to constantly add weights to it. Now, when it comes to your life and my life, sometimes we get to control how much weight goes on the bar. But how many of you realize that other people are always putting weight on your bar? The boss is putting weight on your bar. The relationships are putting weight on your bar. And all of a sudden, you and I are saying, I'm losing my peace. I'm losing my peace. No, no, no. God promised peace, not the absence of problems. So stop thinking. I could leave it like this. Things just falling down. Stop thinking that for you to experience peace, things must be perfect. Some of us think, well, if everything was just perfect, then I'd have peace. That's not how life works. That's not how God develops peace in your life and in mine. You see, God is trying to get you to understand that you can have peace even under pressure. Look at how Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach are reacting to everything going on around them. They have this peace that Daniel is not freaking out. Daniel has this peace even though the pace is bad, even though the people are bad, even though the place is bad, even though the problems are life-threatening. Daniel just has this peace. This peace that passes all understanding. This peace that's incredible, even under pressure. This peace that says life isn't perfect. And some of us keep making the mistake. We think, well, life just has to be perfect. And as long as life is perfect, then I can have peace. And if you are chasing that, that's why you will always chase the next relationship. You will chase the next fix, the next thing, because you're constantly chasing peace. Instead of understanding that, God, you can give me peace even under pressure. That life does not have to be perfect. Things do not have to work out the way I planned. And I can still have peace. Because God promised me peace. And problems are the only way to determine if you truly do have peace. So stop asking for what is temporary escape, not peace. But notice this if you would. Peace is a process. Peace is a process. You and I, we want this peace. We, we, we don't want to find it in something that, that's going to rob our peace. But understand that peace is a process. So what is the process that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach go through? It's this process. So Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning the secret. So Daniel and his companions, that they might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in the night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. I know many of us, when it comes to this gift of peace, we think it's like a, um, uh, uh, a gift of the spirit. You and I, the moment we're saved, we have spiritual gifts that are given to us. And we think peace operates like a gift of the spirit. But peace is not a gift of the spirit. 
Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not given, it's grown. It's a process. And the only way this process works is when you and I are under extreme pressure. That's when we know, oh, yeah, no, I can have peace. When people see, hey, I, I know the job hasn't been exactly what you want. Do you still have the peace? Yeah, I still got that peace. I still have that peace, even though it's under pressure. Hey, I heard you went to the doctor and I heard you had that medical report. Yeah, I had the medical report. It wasn't exactly like I wanted it to be. But God is working. God is giving me peace. And it's amazing, especially this last year, to tune in and say, God, I'm going to have to have your peace. I need to know your heart. I need to know what you are doing. But to understand that peace is this process. What was their process? It was a process of prayer. A process of prayer. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 30, as they are constructing the priest's garments, there was two things that they would put behind this breastplate of jewels that the priests were given. There was the Urim and the Thummim. You say, did you slur your words? Do you have a lisp? No, no, no. The Urim and the Thummim. You say, what is those? It was a rock and a stick that they would put behind this chess piece that when they would go into the holy place, when they would seek to know God's will, this rock and this stick, something would happen when they would get into that holy place. When they would get into the presence of God, where they were gonna make a decision, do we leave this place? Do we go into battle? What do we do? The rock would literally heat up and the stick would move vertical. They knew what to do. They could feel the peace of God. They knew the peace of God. I went to a small Bible college, and I would often come back to the dorms late at night when it was uh, time for dorm devotions, and you'd meet a guy in the stairwell. And if you saw a guy in the stairwell, and the buddies were just like, oh, man, it's okay. And then you'd be like, oh, I think I know what happened. Or if you were walking on our particular college campus, and you saw a couple in the gazebo. We had a gazebo. It was called the breakup gazebo. If you ever saw a couple in there, you, that's the, they were breaking up. That's really what that gazebo was all about. That was the breakup gazebo. I'd ask Jane, let's go to the gazebo. She's like, why are you breaking up with me? I was like, never. Let's stay away. So we never went to the gazebo. Even when one time she wanted to go to the gazebo, I said, we're not going to the gazebo. We're staying away from that. That's where the devil is, all right? And so we didn't go there. But you'd find this guy in the stairwell, and you'd look over, and you'd say, what happened, man? And he'd be like, she said she just doesn't have peace about us. And I was like, how does she know what peace or not peace? But it's amazing how we can use God's peace as a reason to do something or not to do something. I just don't have peace about it. Why? Do you have a rock that heats up and a stick that kind of moves up? What, 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 what is it? But yet God wants it peace of God to be so visible that you have that. God wants you to have a peace to know what to do, to know that where you are in God's will, that there is a peace that even in that pressure, but understand that that peace is found when we seek God in prayer. That as you and I, we say, God, I'm, I'm going after something. This process is that peace needs to be pursued. Matter of fact, Psalms 34, verse 14, it says, depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. We don't live in a world that pursues peace. We now live in a world that's doing everything but seeking peace. And so you and I in the church, we need to reflect 
back onto this world, the peace that should be inside of us. But yet if people in the church can't sleep at night and the people in the church are filled with anxiety and depression and panic, then we can't project anything onto the world that they want to see, that there is peace. This week some things happened and it's just I would find myself just saying, I lack peace. So I'd need to stop and say, God, I need your peace right now because I will get upset, I will get bothered, I will get anxious, I will feel anxiety, I will start to feel warm. And so immediately I need to stop things and slow it down and say, God, I need your peace right now because I might say something, I might do something, and I don't want to act out against the peace. I want God's peace. And God, if it's promised, I need it now. And that's what God's peace does. But understand this. There is a divine connection between your peace and your prayer. Are you praying for that peace? Prayerlessness puts me in a battle I don't need to fight. Let me say it again. Prayerlessness puts me in a battle I don't need to fight. When you and I are not praying, that we are going to face battles that we never should have fought. Because God wants to defeat these battles. God wants to take care of these things. But if we're not bringing it to him, then we're not going to find and experience his peace. But notice this, nobody can take your peace. Have you, have you ever said that? Man, that person, they just, they just irked me. They just, man, they, they just set me off. They just upset me. They just took my peace. No, they didn't take your peace. If God said my peace, I leave with you, it simply means that you left it too. That if God left us his peace and you're not having peace right now, then guess what? That means you've left it too. You're saying, I'm not going to pick that up. We're doing what all the kids do. When somebody says, hey, who left out that plate on the table? And all the kids are like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, somebody needs to pick up the plate. Somebody needs to deal with it. And yet many times I meet Christians and I ask them, Where, why are they so frustrated? Why are they so upset? They don't have the peace of God that passes all understanding. And if the church today is going to go forward in these uncertain days, we have to go forward knowing we have peace. Knowing that the decisions we're making, the places we're going, the people we're with, the pace we've set, we have the peace of God. Because life is going to keep putting pressure. And it's always not going to necessarily be the big things. Sometimes we think, man, it's just those big things in life. It's just those big weights. You know, every once in a while I'm going to face something really big, real big setback. You know, you don't get to decide what's always going to happen in your life. And all of a sudden, the weights just keep growing. The bigger and bigger the problems are. And all of a sudden, oh, pray for me, church. Uh, the weights just, it's there. And all of a sudden, the pressure starts to mount. And all of a sudden, you're thinking, okay, God, now the weight's really really starting to pour on. It's really getting warm. It's really getting tough. You know, 2021, it's not my ideal year. It's not going exactly like I want, God. You can release the pressure. And God's like, peace is to be pursued. That you and I can have peace even under pressure. But yet, what happens is you and I are constantly just saying, oh, I don't have any peace. And the pressure keeps building. And it's not just the big things. Sometimes it's the little things, just the little problems that come into our life. It's not always big things. It's not always the marriage. It's not always the job. It's not always health. Sometimes it's the little irritations, just the little things that start to rob your peace. You ever heard of death by a thousand cuts? 
it just kind of seems like the hits just keep coming. I have a mentor, a coach, we meet every two weeks, and he's just like, man, every time I talk to you, something else is going on. And he's like, how in the world are you still standing? How are you so positive? And I said, thanks, man. What a blessing you are. <laughs> this, is, this is really cathartic just to talk with you. And he's just like, I just feel so bad for you. And I said, you know what? God is teaching me something about peace right now. And the best way to learn about peace is when things aren't peaceful. You and I think the best way that Jesus could have taught his disciples about peace is to go find a nice babbling brook, green lush landscape, couple of sheep drinking a little water and eating some green grass. And Jesus say, let's talk about peace. Or if Jesus took them to some uh, hot yoga studio in downtown Jerusalem, says, okay, guys, we're going to learn about peace. All right, downward dog pose. Okay, shabasta. Those are the two movements I know. I don't know anything else other than that. No, how did, how did Jesus want to teach his disciples about peace? Hey, let's get in the boat. I'm going to go take a nap, and I'm going to sleep in the storm. Because that's life. There's always a storm. There's always something happening. So God is trying to get you and I to appreciate the moments that are just like, wow, everything's okay? Let me enjoy this. Let me be grateful for this. Instead of being like, why? Why can't every moment be like this? And why can't everything be like this? No, instead it's saying, God, you can give me a peace that even though I'm under incredible pressure, there is a peace that I can have. But I've got to pursue it, and I pursue it by prayer. And no one takes it from me. And though nobody takes it from me, I still got to protect my peace. And that's one thing we don't do a good job at, protecting our peace. That we've got to watch certain things. Hey, there's certain things for me to read and th certain things for me to watch, certain conversations for me to have. It sets my peace off. I'm the keeper. I'm the protector of my peace. It's not my wife's job to make sure I have peace. It's not my children's job to make sure I have peace. It's not the president's job to make sure I have peace. It's nobody's job but mine to make sure I have peace. And God said, I promised you peace. We operate from a better place as a Christian when we're at peace. Notice, Daniel has peace. And because Daniel is peaceful, he put other people at peace. Arioch banging on his door. Hey, sorry, man, I got I to gotta kill you guys. This is kind of a tough gig, you know. But Daniel, with wisdom, talks to Arioch and says, why is the king's uh, uh, command so hasty, so urgent? Daniel's peace put others at peace. Your peace puts other people at peace. You've been shopping before the holidays. Everybody's upset in the line. And then you're the one person just saying, hey, I like that sweater. Yeah, that's, that's clever. You got, you got a Rudolph nose that lights up. That's, haven't seen that in... A while. That's cool. Oh, look at you. You got, you got frosted snowman with a live carrot in your sweater. Wow. Man, I guess a little snack if you get hungry, you know. You're that one person, instead of being upset and fighting for your rights and, and, and I hate this store and I want to talk to the manager and somebody showed me a great video this last week and about how when, when we asked, well, do you have any in the back? And the, the person just saying, what do you think's in the back? Like, you think Santa's workshop's back there? You know, it's like, we have a clipboard back there. That's what we've got back there. You know, we don't have a ton of stuff back there. You know, but you're that one person that's peaceful in line, and then you get to the cashier, and what does the cashier say to you? Thank you. Thank you. 
Because everybody else has been mean. Everybody else has been entitled. Everybody else has been upset. But you're the one person with some peace. And then you invite them to church. Say, hey, come to my church. I want to tell you about a God who can give you peace. Not just peace right here in this storm. But he can give you eternal, everlasting peace. Because that's what Jesus Christ is trying to give us. And so the church needs to stop looking at peace as this, oh, yeah, that's nice. Maybe we should teach that in Ridge Kids. All the little boys and girls should have peace. Everybody here needs peace. Everybody that is chasing the next high, the next thing, what you really are chasing is peace. Apostle Paul said, in whatsoever state I am, therewith I have learned to be content, to be at peace. The church needs to learn what is peace and contentment. Is it in big buildings? Is it in having large crowds? Where is our peace? Our peace needs to be that I can be in a storm and I can still sleep. I can be just fine. I can sleep because God gives me peace. And that's where we learn peace. And for you and I to think that we can learn peace in a peaceful situation, we don't learn peace there. It's under the pressure of life that all of a sudden we see everything out around us is out of control. And at that moment, we understand. We say, God, this is, oh, this is a lot, God. And God says, I know, but you got it. And we say, Lord, I'm going to need your help. There's no way I could lift this. There's no way I could do this on my own. And in that moment, that's when you realize that God has been developing peace in your life. All of a sudden, that weight that was heavy, you say, the weight hasn't gotten lighter, but I don't feel the anxiety about it. I don't feel the stress about it. Because God's peace has filled me. God's peace has saturated If you're taking notes, write this down. Your mindset is yours to set. Your mindset is yours to set. Nobody could set your mindset. That's up to you. Your mindset's yours to set. And you can have a mindset of peace that says, I'm going to be at peace. But you say, what's so great about peace? And let me wrap it up with this. There is power in peace. You say, what do you mean there's power in peace? There is a power when I release it to God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. This pressure is so much. Understand what is so important, what is so powerful is this. The Bible says in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto you a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. The last four words are the Prince of Peace. Peace is a person. It's when I face this, Pastor Miss Al and Ethan, y'all mind helping me? Can you come up here? What happens is when we come into this point where we say, you know what? Life is going to be difficult. Life is going to be challenging. Life is going to be overwhelming. And there's no way I could lift this. There's no way I could do with this on my own. There's no way I could challenge this. That all of a sudden we, we, we look at this and we say that is so hard and it's so heavy and it's so difficult. And that's when we say, God, you are the prince of peace. And there is power in peace. And when I have the peace of God, all of a sudden, and guys, if you can, you can grab either side of this as I lift up you guys lift up. All right, here we go. And uh, let's back squat this, all right? But you guys just back squat it with me. Ready? Here we go. Let's just, wow, I could do this with no hands. Oh, almost. No hands. Let's do it again. That was fun. Let's, what's happening? All of a sudden, we invite God's peace in, 
And guess what God does? Why is Pastor Missile struggling? I'm, I'm getting nervous. Ethan's fine, but I'm getting nervous over here. Let's go one more. One more rep. Here we go. I'll put my hands back. This illustration is not working like I thought. I should have asked Jesse. Man, there we go. Thank you, gentlemen. Hang out just for a minute. But that's the way God's power works. God's power begins to come into the situation, and he's got it. Where you say, God's got this job. God's got my marriage. God's got my children. God's got the pandemic. God's got my church. God's working all of it. He never left me. That's where Philippians, the writer Paul, he says this. He said in verse number seven, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Peace is found in a person. Do you have Jesus Christ? Then you've got all the peace you need. The same peace that can fall asleep in a storm is right there with you. So there's no reason for you to be anxious. There's no reason for you to be upset. There's no reason for you to go off. You can have the power of peace because you have Jesus Christ inside of you. So though the pressure is there and the pressure's never going to stop, that means God's power's there. So yes, you're still under it, but guess what? God's peace is there. And I know it feels like you're struggling. I know it feels like, well, maybe you can't keep doing this. But God's peace steps in and he helps you. And he helps you to continue to make it. Uh, my car has something that I believe your car has. And it's a little indicator for when the tire pressure is low. Did you know that little tire pressure indicator light is the reason why most cars end up having a flat tire? More flat tires happen, not because there's too much air in the tire, but because there's not enough air in the tire. Meaning there's not enough inside to contrast the pressure that's on outside. You and I need enough peace on the inside of us to contrast the power that's on us. Because the pressure that's constantly pushing down, we need to have the peace of God. And that's where the power steps into the situation. Because pressure is no match for your peace. Now, I know many of us, we think, well, if just the right people. When you have peace, it doesn't matter the way people act when you have peace. Stop waiting for somebody else to act right for you to have peace. Stop waiting for the world to change for you to have peace. Your peace and my peace is not dependent on any other person. Stop thinking that, oh, I just need the right location. I don't need a certain position to have peace. I can have peace anywhere. Read the New Testament. How many times do you find Paul in a jail cell? And where is he? He's at peace. How many times do you read Paul and Silas? They're singing in prison. They have peace. My friend, let me be, let me be really harsh for a moment. I hear nothing but complaining and whining from the church and Christians today. That's all I hear. And I'm thinking, why is that? Aren't we the ones to have the corner on the market on peace? But we're so upset by everything. We're so offended by everything. Everything bothers us. Everything gets under our skin. Shouldn't we be the ones with the most peace? I'm not talking about that we went and smoked a blunt before we went to church. That's not the type of peace I'm talking about. But I'm talking about a peace that just says, God has this. Somebody called me yesterday and they said, I'm not sure of my salvation. I said, open to John 10, 28 and verse 29. 
And it talks about how we're in the palm of God's hand. But most Christians actually act like they're in the devil's hand, not God's hand. That Satan is the one that's moving and shaking everything. God is in control. And we need to keep saying, today is the Lord's day. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. It's his day, not the devil's, not the bosses, not the kids, not traffic, not the debt, not anything. So you and I have no reason to go in through our day without the peace of God. Because everybody else is going to see you with some peace and say, man, where did you get that? I want to buy some. You and I should be dealers of peace. People should be coming to us in back alleys and saying, hey, you got that good stuff. I want some of that good stuff. He said, yes, I do. It's right here in the Bible. Let me tell you about Jesus because he is the person of peace. And he doesn't just give you peace right here. He will give you peace for all eternity. That's the kind of peace that we need to give this world. That's the kind of peace this world needs. But the world will never ask you about that peace if you are so upset, so ticked off, so bothered, so hot under the collar, everything makes you mad. Even when you get home, even, even the kids do this. Oh, oh, well, watch out for dad. Yeah, just, just give him some room. Watch out for mom, just give him some space. How about they say, wow, my family is under so much pressure, but look at the way they handle it. Because they understand that this weight right here. No, it's okay. You guys just stand there and look good. Uh, they, they, they understand that when, when you are under this, that the power of God is there. That the power of God is your peace. So they see you. So the spouse sees the way the husband reacts. And the husband sees the way the wife reacts. And all of a sudden they think, man, that peace on the inside. But you're going to have to guard that peace. You're going to have to protect that peace. And then you'll get to the point where you'll realize that pressure is no match for your peace. And that's when peace truly becomes powerful. Do you see why now Satan doesn't want you to have peace? He wants you to go through your entire Christian life with no peace. He doesn't want you to know peace. He doesn't want you to see the joy that is found in peace. There is no high that compares to the peace of God. There is no illicit relationship that compares to the peace of God. There is no lottery ticket number big enough that can compare to the peace of God. There is no home beautiful enough to compare to the peace of God. There is no career that can compare to the peace of God in your life. The peace of God fights against depression. The peace of God fights against immorality. The peace of God fights against your addiction. The peace of God fights against your concern consumerism, your materialism, the socialism we see. The peace of God fights against all isms because you realize that when I've got peace, I've got everything I need, that I'm okay. A few weeks ago, Pastor Missal calls me up at night, and he rarely calls me at night, so usually it's, sorry, Pastor Miss, it's not good, all right? And so I was a little bit bracing myself for it, and he gave me the phone call, and all of a sudden, I knew the peace of God was there. Because it was totally outside of my control. Here's the thing. God allows you to go through moments that are incredible pressure. So you could practice the peace of God. And your peace will put others at peace. And let me close with this. Ephesians 6. When it's talking about putting on the whole armor of God. It finishes. And it says, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
good news about peace. The Roman soldier would put on these shoes. They look more like cleats because they would fight in rocky soil. They fight in the mud and they needed a grounded stance. Right here, if I was to bench press this, what's going to be important if I'm going to back squat this is I need a good stance. And all of a sudden, if I don't have a good stance, if my feet aren't quite right, guess what? I can't lift this. If I'm on one leg, I can't lift it. If I'm trying to just kind of knees bent, anybody lifts weights, you'll say, hey, whoa, no, no, not knees in, knees out. It's all about the stance. What's that mean? The stance is so important because that's the platform we stand on. Peace is not just a person. Peace is a platform. Peace is what we stand on, church. It's not just what it's inside of me. It's my foundation. It's where everything is built off of. The first and foremost, the greatest fruit you and I can have is to pursue the fruit of the Spirit of peace. That's what God wants for us. 1993 to 1995 was the Bosnian War. It took place around a siege that lasted 1,435 days around the city of Sarajevo. It was the longest siege in human history. It lasted over four years. There's a group of four individuals. used to be six. They were called the Strings of Sarajevo. They played in the Philharmonic of Sarajevo. And while the city was under siege in constant mortar and shell fire and sniper fire, they would go into the middle of the city towns. There was starvation. There was no clean water. It's a horrible situation. And the strings of Sarajevo would go into the city center and they would begin to play beautiful music. They wrote a book about it and it was called The Cellist of Sarajevo. And this was based on the live account of the strings of Sarajevo. I said there used to be six. There was only four because two musicians died as they were performing. Because they were trying to bring peace to the city of Sarajevo. A city that for four years was besieged. And there are these people in the middle of the city. As buildings are being blown up around them. Would play masterpieces. A piece like that inspired the world. A piece like that had movies made, books written. But we have a piece that's greater than that. And that's impressive, is it not? That moves me. But we have a piece that is found, and the Bible even says it's a piece that passes all understanding. But yet, Christians today, they are settling. For just bits and pieces of peace. When God doesn't want you to live with moments of peace or pieces of peace, but he wants you to stand on the platform of peace, having the person of peace. And Isaiah even goes on to say, and walk the path of peace. That's what we're called to. And that's where we find real power when we understand that there is power in peace. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you please stand with me? Maybe you're here this evening and you don't have peace in your heart. You might know God, you know Jesus, but you don't know peace. 
Right now, there's only fear, anxiety, anger, resentment, bitterness, hatred, but not peace. My friend, I pray tonight you would find peace. I pray tonight that you would say, God, what, is, what have I allowed in? Because I have not protected my peace. Or maybe you're here and you don't know God. He's the Prince of Peace. And this evening, more important than anything else that's going to happen in your world, is that you make the decision to say, I want peace. I want a peace that's not just here and now, but a peace that actually, it's forever. And that's what God offers. Peace with the Father. Peace with God. This evening, if you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't have the peace that I would like. I don't sleep well. I'm upset. I'm irritable. My coworkers know it. My family knows it. Hey, the driver passed me on the 101. I don't even know them, but they know I don't have peace. Pray for me. Is that you? Can I pray for you? You say, I need peace. Would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? I see that hand, and that hand, and that hand. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You may put your hands down. You say, I need peace. Isn't it a wonderful thing that God promises peace? It's a great thing. But maybe you're here tonight and you say, I don't know God as my Savior. And tonight you say, I want to give my life to God. I want to receive Him as my Savior. If that's you, could I pray for you? Would you slip up your hand? You want to pray for peace? You want the God of all peace? Is that you? If you'd like to talk to anybody after the service, please find me. But right now, we're going to go into a time of invitation. The front will be open here. And I'd invite you, if you feel so comfortable, you could slip out of your seat. You could kneel at an old-fashioned altar, or you can make an altar out of your seat. But right now, let me pray for you. And let's come and seek heaven for heaven-sent peace. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you in the midst of all the chaos and all the struggle and all the pain that we can have a peace that passes all understanding. I thank you, God, that there is a peace, that there is a peace that overcomes all the pressure and pain, that there is a peace that surpasses all of our understanding that we have not even yet begun to even tap into the peace that you have. God, may we find that peace that helps us not just to sleep at night, but the peace to live, the peace to be the type of follower that you want, the peace that could be going through any storm and we can say to the waves, peace be still, that we can reflect back on to this world what is inside of us, that there is peace, there is tranquility, that there is calmness, There's no crisis, anxiety, and fear, and panic, and anger. There is only your peace. And so, Father, would you, in these moments, quiet the raging storms, quiet the racing hearts, quiet the wandering minds. And, God, would you pour out on your children, would you pour out on us your peace. May it flood us. May we feel it and sense it. May we be renewed and restored in the peace of God. And may we walk out of this place knowing we were at peace with you. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. The altar is open for you, my friend, if you'd like to come.
We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.